Episode 19 of the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast with serial entrepreneur and multi-published author, Sean Castrina. Welcome to the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Claremont, and my goal is to help equip you through the personal brand small business startup process by providing you with enough tips and tools in these episodes so that your pivot through the small business startup process goes a lot smoother and you're more profitable quicker. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a like on the platform you're using. You can go to TomClaremont.com for more information on how I can help you with your new startup. And welcome back to another episode of the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast. Uh, Very pleased to have with us today, Sean Castrina. Sean is a serial entrepreneur, having started more than 20 companies over the last 20 years, still seeks to launch a new venture annually. He's an investor, teacher, highly sought after speaker who communicates with both humor and bluntness that engages and captures his audience. He's the author of Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, The Greatest Entrepreneur in the World, and World's Greatest Business Plan. Sean, thanks for being with us today. No, great to be on the podcast. So, Sean, when did you start to realize that you were not going to have just a regular job the rest of your life, but wanted to have your own business? When I got fired. <laughs> oh, okay. so when I lost my dream job overnight um, with a it was a leadership change, and and um, you know I was wrapping up a master's degree. It was going to be a corporate success that seemed like an easy plan. Just seek, destroy, and keep climbing up the ladder. And uh, at at twenty five, that didn't happen. And, um, you know, didn't, didn't go the way I, I had envisioned it. And when that happened, I decided that being dependent on an employer or, you know, having to play the game of working under people and making them look good. And I, I was going to do it a little bit of a different way. And so the less the you know, the rest is history. So did you have any like um, confirmation or affirmation from anybody else? Uh, did you have support from family and friends? I mean, not really in that. I mean, your family does the usual. They think you can do anything. I always say you need more than your family to, to, to go on an idea. I, to, to me, I, I look at a room in a certain way. If I walk into a room of 100 people, I know I'm in the top five. That could be arrogant, could be anything you want to call it. But I'm an, I'm an athlete, and I just know that you put me in a room, I'm going to be the one that comes out hell or high water. And so I, I looked around enough at businesses to see other people succeed doing it. So there, there's clearly enough confirmation that it can be done. Doesn't mean it'll happen the first time you try it, but you can walk to, you can walk in any shopping center, walk through any mall and go, you know, I think somebody knows how to start a business here. And, you, and they leave footprints. Right. And, and confidence is, I think, half the battle, right? It, it is. I, you know. Whether, you know, like them or don't like them. Trump did say a quote I heard in the mid 80s when I was in high school. I'll never forget. It was on the Phil Donahue show. And a, a lady was criticizing him for being, you know, Donald Trump, boisterous, whatever the case may be. And he looked at her and he paused and he said, you show me a man with no confidence and I'll show you a loser every time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I it was a great quote then. And I, you know, and I've used it for 30 years. Just in general, I've always believed that. And, you know, 35 mm-hmm. years later, it worked out okay for him. Um, again, I'm not picking political sides. That's irrelevant to the conversation. But there is something about confidence that you, 
have to believe that, you know, you've got what it takes because if you, if you, if you can't believe it and sometimes you got to fake it a little bit. I mean, there's no doubt. Sometimes you got to be like, wow, this not quite the way I thought it would go, but you've got to put your game face on it. And because you have a team around you, you're recruiting a team. But I, I do think your most successful people absolutely have an inner something that says, I think I can do this. Right. So how did your first startup uh, turn out? Was it, was it profitable? Yeah. It, I, it was, and this has kind of set my whole course of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So when I lost my job, I took a job selling insurance because if you're you know, articulate and have energy, 25 years old, you have a bachelor's degree, sell insurance, you know, if you have any, and so I went to sell insurance and, and it was doing actually really well with that my first year. And I, we had sales meetings on Mondays and, and that's where I really started meeting very affluent people. Selling insurance is really like selling crack, but legally. Um, so it was the most wealthy people that I actually had been around at that point in my life where I saw Mercedes, Jags, you know, Land Rover, Range Rovers, whatever the case may be. And I'm in this meeting and I'm like, what, how cool would it be if we could just get our cars clean right out in this parking lot while we're in this meeting, we're in this meeting for an, like an hour every Monday and we got to go out and sell. This is before there were car washes every block. And I, so I said, well, I had to start an auto detailing company where we just, the water comes in, we bring the van or the truck or whatever it is. Not that I was going to clean cars myself, but I, I kind of pictured how this would work, but we would do it right here in the parking lot, just kind of pull the car to the back of the lot clean it down, get out of the sales meeting. You're ready to go. Car looks great. So I started a company called Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. That's another thing. Never make the name so complicated. Waxmaster Mobile Detailing. You know exactly what it is we do. I made $35,000 passive income that year. I never cleaned a car. All I did is make the phone ring. And I knew that gave me my aha moment where I was like, wait a second. Okay. A, it doesn't require a lot of capital. It cost me less than $2,000. B, I didn't quit my job. C, I didn't love the business. I just knew it was a profitable business. Paid for a boatload of golf. Second, you know, bought a, an investment property. So it, that, that, that one year just kind of hit, you know, got rid of all the myths that, a lot, that keep people from starting a business. And it was a side hustle too, right? You know, I, I, the only thing I say about a side hustle, if I can, side hustle where you work is a job. I didn't work. My <laughs> side hustle required under an hour a week of my time. I made $35,000. There's a difference. So sadly, see, uh, Uber driver, that's not a side hustle. Right. You have a secondary job. Right, right, <laughs> okay? right, right. Delivering pizzas. No, you have another job. So be careful right. about the two is what I tell people. Right. I'm not talking about another part-time job that you yeah. did after your full-time job. It was a business that you ran that brought you in additional income. Uh, absolutely. And I love that. I did. I, it's funny, just the side hustle becomes so popular these days. And when I have even people on my show and I drill down on them, I'm like, sounds like you're doing a lot of work there, my friend. Right. And use the key phrase passive income too, because that is it, the key. It, it wasn't, it wasn't money for your time one-to-one. Yeah. And, that, and that's where people get trapped, unfortunately. Right. And even mm-hmm. in small businesses for that matter, mm-hmm. just, just as a small business owner, that I find that most small business owners spend way too much time on things that other people can do and not spending time on things they should be doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, in your, in your book, eight unbreakable rules for business startup success, you say that a person should be qualified 
to be an entrepreneur, but you don't have to be credentialed. How would you define qualified? Well, credentialed means it's the one occupation, just real quickly, the Forbes 400 list is made up of 400 people, obviously. And there's only, there's, there's two criteria to be on that list. I've gone through the 400 in the cases of doctors and lawyers are still two criteria, and every every single person on the list, they either were an entrepreneur or the heir of an entrepreneur. If they were a doctor, they started a pharmaceutical company. If they were a lawyer, they have a massive law firm, did an asbestos case, and have 500 attorneys working for them. So in every case, there's a business there. It's not a surgeon. It's not a, a practicing attorney. So with that being said, is an entrepreneur is the highest income in the world that you can earn non, you know, being a prince or a king or something where it's just bestowed upon you. But it's the only occupation I'm aware of where you don't have to have a degree. If I had to be a lawyer, I got to have a degree. If I'm going to be a doctor, I got to have a degree. If I'm going to be an engineer, I got to have a degree. Be a teacher, I got to have a degree. So, and, and, and I think in those four instances, an education works. But entrepreneur, Google, they quit school. Facebook quit. Bill Gates quit. Steve Jobs quit. So four of our most iconic entrepreneurs that we're aware of all found it necessary to just go after their vision. They never went back to school. This is what I find the most fascinating. You never, not in one instance that I'm aware of, did a billionaire ever go back to college to learn how to run their company? Never, never happens. They buy that knowledge. They bring in mentors. They create a board. They VC people work with them. Whatever it is, is they, they, they get what they need from other people, but it's never going back to school. So what I talk about in the book is, is that you need to be qualified. If you have the qualities, and I talked earlier about that confidence that successful people have, and specifically entrepreneurs, then you're far more likely, a degree is not going to make you one ounce more likely to be a successful entrepreneur, period. I, 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 I don't see that and the data clearly supports what I'm saying. Right. I, I agree. Um, you know, businesses, all it is really is solving a problem for a profit, right? Uh, absolutely. So if you can solve somebody's problem <laughs> and make good money at it, uh, go, go ahead, go, go, go have fun. So what, what advice would you give someone who's been sort of, you know, they've had a business idea for a long time, but they've been sort of sitting on it for a while and they just don't know how to pull the trigger. What would you say to that person? You lack one of the qualities that make you qualified. <laughs> there you go. You procrastinate. Um, you're talking yourself out of it. You have no confidence that it'll work. That's the biggest reason why you're not going through with it is that you have confidence that it won't work. I mean, at some point, you, you know, the old thing is you have, uh, what is it, the great, I think Patton said this, you know, a good plan executed today is better than a perfect plan executed too late. So, mm. you know, you just have to, you got to launch. There's just no getting around it because you don't know what you don't know anyway. So when you start it, no matter how perfect the plan is, and my gracious, I wrote the world's greatest business plan. There's still things that you absolutely can't account for. There will be an obstacle you never saw coming, and there'll be an opportunity that you never saw coming. How did you do your market research uh, for your businesses initially? Yeah, I mean, with the detailing, to me, you know, I just asked people there. You know, I started asking coworkers. It wasn't rocket science, but like, if you could get your car clean, waxed, perfect, once a month in the parking lot, would you pay for something like that? 
they'd be like, well, yeah, sure. I go, would you pay a hundred bucks for that? Well, yeah, if they clean the inside and I don't have to do anything, it better look great. But yeah, I'd pay a hundred bucks for that. Okay. Well, I got a little bit of data. I started asking around and, you know, I, I felt like I had the need. I didn't see any competition. I knew. So you just, you can go from as simple as that to going all to beta testing. I definitely think you need to get something other than your own Right. research you know those you can't go well, i think i would use it no you got to right. go a little deeper than that mm-hmm. and when i talk to people within the offices and other people within joining bills businesses i'd ask people is this a crazy idea but what if you could get your car clean right there in the back of the lot while you were at work today would you pay for something like that absolutely just taking a little break here in the middle folks to let you know about some free resources I have available on my website that you can take advantage of, which will help you start or grow your small business. If you go to tomclaremont.com slash resources, you'll see I have some eBooks and other downloads available for you. Startup business books I recommend as well as other podcasts I think you'll benefit from and some other vendor services that I recommend and have affiliations with. Please check the notes at the end of the episode for the link to all the resources I can provide. Now let's get back to the episode. How would you recommend somebody that's starting their business to, you know, to, to do research uh, on their, you know, on their side, like, you know, Google trends or, or, you know, read books or, you, you know, how would you recommend the next step of research should be? All right. Let's just assume you're going to do some. This is how you find. Let's do research 101 with John Castorino. Is there, do you have competing businesses? Guess what? You have research. If it works, mm-hmm. you know why Hardee's knew it worked? They saw it work with McDonald's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't look for blue oceans. I'm not that smart. So my philosophy is I find something that somebody else is doing. I niche it better to what the marketplace is demanding. Typically, they got something good, but it could be better. I always found it's be- it's easier to take something that works and making it better than to just create something completely new. Right, right. Yes, so my philosophy has always been, okay, what's, what's out there and why isn't it, you know, what are they doing wrong? A lot of times there could be a good business idea in your area, but nobody markets it. So one of my market researches is, are they actually marketing? Okay, there's a business. It can even be a restaurant. It could be whatever. It could be a service company, but they don't market. You can't find them anywhere. Well, that's a massive miss. So that business could succeed just based on marketing. The market research is they exist. They've been around for five years. So it, it clearly the business can work. What can you do to make it better? So what I would do is experience that competition, find out all, all my competition who I think I would experience them. I'd buy from them. I'd look at their websites. I get their information and I would Create like, just like if I was a, you know, a a coach for a football team, I'd find out what they do good, what they do bad. Then I would maybe do some surveys out there, some online surveys to find out, ask a few questions. Would you pay for this? Or would that be better for that? And do I, I've done that method. And the other thing I've done, I have service companies. I've made millions of dollars on service companies. So I have an ideal demographic that I think will buy and spend the kind of money that we need because we're definitely on the higher end. So when we go into a new city, we'll run 5,000 postcards. We'll buy a local phone number, get it forwarded back to our main office. 
So we've got nothing set up. When I tell you I've got no money invested, the only thing I've invested is 500, you know, 5,000 postcards at 17 cents, now 21 cents a piece. So what, I got a thousand, you know, $1,000. I don't even know what that comes out. I think it's a thousand dollars. So I'll do a, de- I'll do a postcard to what I believe to be the best demographics in that area. When I go through the routes, I'll go through the highest valued homes, highest valued incomes. It's the easiest way to find out who's, you know, if you can't do, if you can't perform home remodeling to the highest, highest incomes, highest homes, you're probably not going to be very successful. So we'll go to the best demographics. And then we let the phone ring and we just chart it over the first two weeks. It's easier to scale quickly. That's an easy problem to solve. What's hard to solve is no interested customers. So my philosophy has always been, we'll scale on the, on the fly. Mm-hmm. That's a problem I can handle. It's very hard. You launch a business and nobody's interested in what you have. So I, I believe in pre-sales, pre, you know, doing what I did. I basically gave the illusion of a physical company in a city where we hadn't actually been there yet. I go to a UPS store. You can get a, a, a local address. I mean, you can create the illusion of having a business very easily these days. So it's been said that the riches are in the niches. How, how much should somebody niche down to? Well, then the, the argument could be Jeff Bezos. This is when you know you're really rich. When you, get, when you divorce your wife, give her $40 billion and you're still the richest guy in the world. And he left the niche, but he started with the niche. I like, I love niches. And I always say niche will make you rich, but I have some car. It's funny. I'm working on a podcast lesson on this subject. That's why I was working on it this weekend. So it's like a great subject. Niches are great. And I was kind of talking about that. If you have competition, find out, find a niche that really can be serviced. But the problem with niches is, is that sometimes you can narrow it down so much trying to find that target customers, like trying to find a one-eyed leprechaun. So I, I like niches. Example, untucked shirts. Okay, that's a very narrow niche. Now they're trapped because they're trying to put suit wear and, and other things, but okay, it's a different shirt. In other words, it, it's hard to, Lululemon has mastered it perfectly, but now they're trying to get into men's clothing and I think they're struggling with that. In other words, if you're going to niche, and I think it's niching is good, don't leave it. You get greedy and you think that, ah, uh, whatever. Lululemon is a female yoga apparel store and their guy stuff is horrible. Stay in your lane. It's a billion, you're a billion dollar company. So some, what, what happens is people niche, then they get greedy and they think they can get out of what made them great. And so all, I'm just saying, if you have a niche, be, be, know that niche and stay in it because sometimes you're expanding out of it, destroyed what made you great. So niche is just real complicated. It, it, that I agree with you. It absolutely can make you rich. But the problem I see is too many companies get, you know, hubris takes over and they leave that niche. And, um, Maybe they should and, start a new niche. <laughs> now I'm all for that. I like companies setting up a secondary company off a, off a secondary name. Just redo it. Look at the perfect example. Look at the fellow who set up um, Massage Envy. And I think he, he sold it. Now he has got one that deals with chiropractic care. It's, the, it's a niche. It's, it's the same thing. It's brilliant. But he doesn't call it Massage Envy where you get your back cracked. <laughs> he set up a whole, it's a whole separate company. 
Right. So I think that's where companies would be better off is, is that that way, if it fails, there's no embarrassment. You know, it follows the basic model of what you've used in the past, but you give it a separate name. That's always been my philosophy. Start it with a secondary name and then your, your parent company absorbs it. And then it becomes a sister company of so-and-so. That's a bonus what I just gave there on how you can niche without, without niching is just, it's just very, um, it's, it's delicate but it is definitely a great way to make money. If somebody, you know, later in life uh, wants to start a business and um, they're sort of looking around at what's going on with all this social media and the marketing that you have to do on social media and the attention you have to give it, and they're not sort of used to the modern marketing methods, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that wants to start, but they're sort of, you know, maybe they're over 40, maybe they're over 50. I don't understand it and um, I'm doing okay. A couple of th- things that I, I, I would tell you is this, and I don't, I'm, you know, I, I, I understand traditional marketing very well to the point where I buy Super Bowl ads, ads on the masters golf. I mean, I, I'm an aggressive traditional market, but I own a digital marketing company. Own it because I literally bought the knowledge I didn't have. I literally partnered with someone, created a company. And so I could get everything at cost. It's just kind of how my brain works. But if you have a good idea, you just buy, you pay someone to do what you don't know how to do. And, and whether it was marketing or something else, you're always going to have to pay somebody to do what you don't know how to do because none of us knows everything. So I just think you go into it understanding, this is my philosophy and it's a book I'm wrapping up right now. It's called one plus one equals done in nearly every business. There's always a component that you don't have. It's either a skill you don't have, it's a knowledge you don't have, there's always something you're lacking. So you would just go into it with that up front, going, you know what? I got a good idea, but I, I don't get marketing real well. Interview marketing people, hire somebody part time, bring them on right from the beginning, part time, because what? You know, this is a key component. When I started a detailing company, I knew I wasn't going to wax cars. So what I first, what was the first ad I ran for? Detailing specialists, people who were great at cleaning cars, because I was never going to clean them. So before I started my business, I ran test ads to see if I could hire people at a certain price to make the margin work. So I didn't launch the business until I could get my one plus one. At that time, the one I needed was actually a person who was reliable and could clean cars for me. Every business is going to have it. Mark Zuckerberg didn't make any money until he had Sandberg, Sharon Sandboard. I, I must, I may have messed up her, her name there, but he, he didn't have to monetize it. Ray Crockwick McDonald's made no money until he partnered with the fellow who taught him how to do the real estate end of it. It was when they figured out, hey, let's loan, well, let's own all the land under all these franchises. They're the biggest real estate company in the world. They own second to the Vatican. They own more land than any other entity other than a government and or the Vatican McDonald's. He didn't know that his margins were so low. They weren't making any money partnered with somebody. There's always that somebody that, that you need. So don't let that frighten you. Just know going in. That's what I need. I didn't mean to elaborate so much on that, but. Sean, good stuff. This is fantastic. Well, Sean, we really appreciate your time uh, today with you know helping small business uh, owners or future small business owners trying to get a better understanding of the process and what they're in for, things that they need to expect, and and you know how to do 
uh, you know, research, things like that. Really appreciate your time. How can somebody get a hold of you? I, the, if you kind of like how I teach you, they love me or hate me, I'm an acquired taste. The 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast is where I speak like this every day. So quick, short bursts on a singular subject. And uh, I think that's, you know, that would probably give you the most value. And if you go to my site, you can always get a book for free. So seancastrina.com, I believe right now we have the eight unbreakable rules for yes. business startup success at no charge mm-hmm. and no gimmick there. So you can get that and the 10 minute entrepreneur podcast. I think those two will give you the most value at no charge and, and really help you in your entrepreneurial journey. And will your next book be on Amazon? Oh yeah. Everything. And all my other books, everything I have is on Amazon, but my newest book will be on Amazon too. So yeah, Amazon, you'll see three books up there. Great. When's it coming out? The one I'm wrapping up right now just signed off today on the interior. So I would think around February. And that's called actually Developing the Entrepreneur Within. It's 365 daily strategies, insights, and lessons learned. So every single day, it'll be like what I wish I would have known in hindsight. So it's kind of a retrospect on what you can learn. I always say failure is best heard through a secondhand story and a heck of a lot cheaper. Fantastic. I, I certainly agree. I, I bought uh, Eight Unbreakable Rules and, and you can be sure that I'm going to buy the next book as well. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate your, your insight and your wisdom. Great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you think of today's episode and your thoughts on the topic. Please give us a like in Apple iTunes or whichever app you're using. It helps us out a lot. Again, for more information about how I can help you through the small business startup process, please go to TomClaremont.com. There you'll find a free download called The 7 P's to Profitability. It addresses the issues of the elements you'll need to have a profitable personal brand business. 